A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sheed that steel, you twat. Welcome to Dragon Cast, home of House of the Dragon. Gather your small council, send out your ravens, and call in your bannermen. I'm Hand of the King Jamie East, here to guide you through the highly anticipated return to Westeros. Hello and welcome to Dragoncast, home of House of the Dragon. I'm your host and maester of ceremonies, Jamie East. Joining me this week to discuss all things House of the Dragon are, as always, journalist, writer and the Valyrian steel gauntlet on the hand of the king, Chris Mandel. Hello. Uh, and this week's extraordinarily special guest. She's an actor, writer, comedian, exceptional television presenter and has also been known to conduct the occasional orchestra in her spare time. She was the realm's delight before most of us had ever heard of a Rhaenyra. She is my queen, and always was and will be my throne cast buddy and boss. Sue Perkins, it's lovely to see you. I'm right back at you, sweet. So can you always, for the record, introduce me and everything I know? That's, that's exactly what I'll do, yeah. As, and I'll, I will bow, I'll walk out of a room backwards, not, not breaking eye contact. Oh, nice to see dear. both of you, and a pleasure to be discussing our favourite subject. Oh my goodness me. I tell you what, the last time, in fact, the last time we were in the same room together before COVID and all that was actually at the finale of Thrones, and I had no, no real inkling that we would ever be sucked back into Thrones land, certainly not this quick. No, well, I hoped. You you always hope, don't you? But these things are big beasts and they take time to, you know, especially when you think about the obsessive fandom. You know, we, we want the shows to be great and sumptuous yeah. and well thought out. And um, boy, have they delivered that in spades as it, as it goes. So how have you found it then? Because you've been out, I know you've been out working abroad, as they say, and uh, have, you, have you managed to catch on it all? Have you, have you managed to get involved in all of the craziness? Yes, nothing stops me. Nothing stops me. So uh, New Zealand time was, was uh, there was no issue. It doesn't matter what time of the night or day I'll be there. So I kind of, I watched the first ep and I thought, great, you know, they've gone with the familiar. It feels reassuring. It, you know, we're in Thrones land. They kept the theme tune or fragments of the theme tune till the very, very end. But once you heard that, you knew we were, yeah. we were there. What I wasn't expecting, in fact, was it to become so good and so, so its own thing so quickly. I mean, yeah. on the back of Three and four. I really think we're dealing, irrespective of of Game of Thrones, we're we're, we're dealing with what has a potential to be a truly extraordinary series, because the characterisation and the themes are already being explored carefully and subtly, and the drama beats are just so sophisticated. I, I'm, I'm so beyond hooked and I'm thrilled as well. It doesn't just feel like a kind of, we've taken the mood of Thrones and we're just replicating it. It does feel like its own specific, you know, has its own identity now. We talked to Ian Beattie on last week's episode and he was just saying that it was like, 
if you think back to season one, episode three or four of, of Game of Thrones, we yeah. were still kind of fannying around with Bran in a oh, coma yeah. and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and yeah. now we, we, we're, we're kind of knee deep in it already and already kind of thinking, wow, this is this is proper. Yeah, absolutely. Which leads us to, to episode four, which, safe to say, it was kind of like a, maybe a, a more insular episode, which kind of seemed to have one key narrative to it. But bloody hell, what a narrative it was. It feels like the, the episode that, that, that's lighting the, the touch paper for the, whole, for the whole season and really is setting. We've been sat there kind of for the first few episodes wondering, what is it that's going to kind of set the whole thing off? And turns out, fucking your uncle uh, is, uh, is pretty high on that list. <laughs> what an extraordinary sort of mirror, mirror image. You know, you've, you've got uncle and niece as opposed to aunt and nephew, which obviously we, we saw in, in, in Game of Thrones. Yeah. What they're doing with the female characters is extraordinary already. And to take your point about it hitting the ground running, what we're seeing here is, is the succession issues from scratch building. Uh, whereas with Game of Thrones, you, you're in it. All the houses are established the dynastic ties are established. Here, everything is at its infancy and power is so fragile, as evidenced by Viserys, of course, who's... What I loved about this episode, sorry, I'm going to ramble and do shut me up. No, go for it. fear when he knows he's meeting Damon, the nervousness he has to have his crown, he has to have his sword, he has to prepare himself because he sort of knows in his heart that those old-fashioned kingly values he doesn't embody. Yes, he's a man of justice and truth, speaks power you know truth to power but at the same time he he lacks the sort of chivalric element he hasn't just come fresh from a battle he hasn't won the day yeah. so i thought that was really really interesting he hasn't got the hearts and minds has he really he doesn't even have a dragon anymore which no he doesn't no he doesn't and even like i thought like damon's crown looked so shit but like it <laughs> held so much more power than the yeah. really ornate one that viserys had because he won it didn't matter if it looked like it was made out of like twigs. It was sort of like the, the fact that he'd earned that everyone was waiting. Everyone from the court had come to watch. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Damon arriving because he, he kind of professed to, to Rhaenyra's that he just, he liked the comforts of home and he wasn't getting on with the missus kind of thing. That was, that was what he kind of inferred, but it was, I thought it was quite a weird thing. He just like turned up and always begged forgiveness really didn't he i think there's a, there's an element of exactly what you said chris of like he didn't have to if he was going to hand over the crown he could have had it in his hand he wanted to be there you know this is a crown of sort of it was it was bone wasn't it it was almost like yeah. it had been forged from from the from the battlefield from the, the the skulls he'd bashed in and the ribs he'd cracked with a big ruby at the front you know that kind of i've shed blood for this i've i've won the approval of my fellow man so i think it felt like two kings meeting and then one doing this sort of false, it was felt like a false submission. Yeah. And I think he did it knowing he'd get banished again, but just to make a point that he represented the sort of king that he feels that, that, that the throne deserves, the Iron Throne. And I think also he wants, he wants his big brother's approval. Like everything he does is for the king. And I think they've got such a brilliant sibling relationship because you can see how Viserys really envies the qualities that his sort of manic younger brother has. But the brother only does it, he says, for his king. And I really got that in that scene in the the, the throne room, that sense that it's not... In, Damon has a wife in the Vale. He has now owns the Stepstones, or he's declared... Him, but he doesn't want to be there if he can't see how it's impacting his family. And I think it was definitely his 
coming home to check that he's getting the reaction that he wanted from everyone. And he takes the whole House of the Dragon seriously, you know, the ancient ways. He talks about Aegon, he talks about, you know, really the bloodline and the importance of maintaining those tried and tested ways. And I agree with you, yeah, they they, they kind of have two halves of the same coin, but at the same time, look at what happens when Viserys says he's going to help out. He just goes, you know, you have that amazing (laughs) X3 when he just doesn't speak, he's like... It, it was it was just pure screw you, wasn't it? The whole episode was a tantrum. Yeah. yeah. You're basically watching a younger brother have a tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, his timing's pretty fortunate, as it turns out, because I guess his path to the throne, as he as he works out throughout the episode, is, is Rhaenyra. And we, we see her kind of on this amazing speed dating <laughs> exercise with one of my, what was the, uh, what was the, the phrase? Black, the little kid. <laughs> the little kid. There was a great the scene. Was my favourite character of all time now. It was great. She'd that steal, you twat. It was just such <laughs> yeah. a, such a brilliant line, but she doesn't know what she wants. And I think that was the whole, that was her kind of narrative through this was, was kind of I, like, she kind of knows that she's got to marry, yeah. but she just can't see much out there that she, that she likes. That's, I think what was amazing about this episode and it's almost like it really feels like the showrunner has re- they've really addressed the the, the sort of female character mm. issue you know these these there's a lot going on in these female characters and what i loved about this episode is you're absolutely right she she doesn't un- she understands she has to marry but she feels defeated by that and what damon shows her is yes you have dynastic obligations to get married but that's just procedural. That's bu- almost bureaucracy. What I'm going to show you is you can have a whole life where you experience utter satisfaction and you mm. get to call the shots. You get to own your own desires, your own bodily needs. And he sort of liberates her. So while some people take from that, oh, that creepy icky scene, actually you see what happens after it, which is she just goes back and goes, okay, I want you. I want my bodyguard. I want my man at arms and I'm going to take you right now. And then you can you have that contrasted with Alicent, who's not understood that yet. She's been planted in that in that path, in that place by her dad, by Otto, and she is you either see her with a screaming baby, pregnant, then with a screaming baby, and then being sort of lovelessly missionary by a slightly crabby sort of scaly old man. <laughs> hey, don't yeah. knock it! Don't knock it! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I mean? It's like. And that is why, because it was really, I watched it, I thought, why is Alison being such a censorious bitch? You know, she sort of basically calls her, her oldest mate a whore. Yeah. She's jealous. Yeah, there, yeah, there was an element to that there, wasn't there? Yeah. I love the way, though, that, like, I love the way that Rhaenyra sort of said, like, I associate getting married with having to have children. And my mum had children until she died. And she didn't even have many of them. Like they, most of them died, you know, she, they died when they were born. And you really understand. And even I think in episode three, like you saw her really sort of like turning her nose up at suitors because everyone wants her for her like womb, basically. Yeah. And this was amazing having Damon sort of go, actually, the way that men think of their sexuality is so unencumbered because yeah. we've not had to do that. And I love the way that she was sort of almost, you know, dressing more androgynously when she was on yeah. the streets to blend in. And it reminded me of Arya and Brienne. And the, I just thought it was really clever. And yes, yeah, you say she came away and was like, I think I'm going to have Kristen right now. Yeah. And I'm going to go on top. I was like, yes. Good I mean, she, whatever the reverse of Blue Balls is, she came away from uh, yeah. the Westeros equivalent of Block 9 at Glastonbury. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And just saw Sir Kristen and was just like, get here. And how long did that armour take to get off? 
I have to That's say, she Wasn't must have really scene. wanted him for that. Then the shoelaces. Yeah, it was. Yeah, was, <laughs> yeah it, it, in the end, I was just like, oh, I tell you what, that, that under jerkin is going to be really hot and sweaty. <laughs> it made yeah. me feel less sexual the more was removed. But it, it, it's exactly that, though. It's giving, when you think of a lot of the, the female characters in Thrones, they are in some kind of, they're, they're in bonded labour, either because, you know, they're servants of the crown, whether high up or low down or you know they they're just enslaved by poverty and horror but there was a sort of freedom damon gave her freedom he gave her the keys to the city she wandered around like a lay person she saw what people really thought of her on the streets and she got to choose her own sexual partner and i just thought it was great and i she's already expressing uh dissatisfaction with the roles that she's being given and she's obviously going to choose her own plus you've got her seeing the white heart you've got her and i think we're getting all those signals, those prophetic signals that she that she's the one. It's not that it's not the prince who's coming, but perhaps her. There was a lot of kind of like everyone assumed that, that they were going to get together at some point. It was kind of like the writing was on the wall. Do we think that's it for them now? Is that was that him just kind of like showing her the way, as you said, Sue, showing her how she can kind of have a cake and eat it, really? Or do we think that that they are going to eventually forge an alliance? I mean, it's a bit of guesswork, I guess. They might forge an alliance, but they, 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 I don't. I think that's the end of their sexual relationship. I just think the writers are almost. Mm. I'd be surprised if they went back. Remember, he was drawing back. I think what he was trying to do was excite her and then set her free to find a, an appropriate agent. What I didn't understand, and what will be made clear, is why and it was so clever. You know, whatever happens to a woman sexually, even when she chooses her own sexual destiny, rumors then destroy her reputation. So you have this moment, mid-moment, where it's like, go, girl. And then, of course, the, the ending was heartbreaking. It's like yeah. basically the morning after pill. And it, it was so like, let's all remind ourselves of actually really what it's like to be a woman at any station, you know. Yeah. Um, she's not believed. I mean, understandably, she, you know, she, but, but Dame, Damon says we slept together, which they didn't. And, you know, she's, she's seen as sort of broken, sullied goods to some, I think. Uh, yeah, she's no longer a maiden. Yeah, that was yeah. The, that was the phrase, yeah. wasn't it? Let's talk about that then, because there was a lot of setup, I think, there, which which I think is going to set the path for the rest of the season. Because so Damon told Viserys that he did sleep with his daughter when they didn't. Uh, she did sleep with Kristen Cole. She told Alicent she swore on her mother's life that nothing. Well, she I think which she she used semantics very carefully in her in her discussion yeah. with with Alison. It was a real Bill Clinton sort of wordsmithery, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So she she didn't say that she didn't have a bit of a bit of a frolic and a fumble, but she did say that she did not sleep with him. So Alison backed uh, Rhaenyra to the hilt and said, I believe her. Viserys, though, had it from Damon and, and left him bleeding in the ground, which is where the, the, the concocted tea from the maester came from, was because was from Viserys thinking that she may have been pregnant with Damon's child, whereas actually now... Rhaenyra, God knows what she thinks. She's sat there going, do they know about Kristen? Do they know about this? And caught up in the middle of all of that is Otto, who is now, as far as we know, vanquished and, you know, and and cast cast aside. What was Otto's motivation there? Do we think that he is genuinely just trying to get Aegon on the throne or was he just, was he being an honourable hand of the king? What do you think? The, the moment he pushes his sort of 14, 15-year-old daughter into the pathway of 
the grieving Viserys. I'm I'm sort of not Team Hightower, really. Stick on your mother's dress, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's you know, and he he sees her bloodied fingernails, but can't equate those with anxiety, stress. He just doesn't see it. You know, he he's more concerned with the fact they don't look nice than any underlying kind of worry that she's in any way sort of psychologically in pain or damaged. And that five days speech, you know, sort of summed up his CV. He's just waiting. He's waiting for his opportunity. Mm. And it feels like his judgment always is skewed to getting what he wants, as opposed to some of the other members of the small council who have a more kind of sanguine view, I think. What do you reckon, Chris? Is that is that your vibe? Yeah, I mean, I, I've sort of said for the past couple of weeks with Otto, I don't think he's a bad person. I think he's making the right decisions that make the most sense. And he has to tell the king what's going on. It's not his job to get the king to believe him. And I think when he got fired, I think he just tried to push a bit more. And I think Viserys sort of having that light bulb moment that was like, huh, your 15-year-old daughter just happened to be hanging around after my wife died. And, you know, we found out last week that Viserys said, you know, I didn't want to marry. I didn't want to do any of this. And Alison heard that. You know, I think it's really the Alison Viserys thing has sort of curdled a bit, hasn't it? But I think for Otto, yeah, I mean, I think he he did the right thing. If he hit that from the king, he could lose his head. You know, it's really important. But I think what's different here is the Targaryens are cool with incest, but they're not cool with taking someone's maidenhead, I think. Otto and Alison were both in this episode like, ugh, Targaryens, they love their incest. Whatever floats your boat, we don't really like, we don't really do that over here. So it's definitely like a culture clash that's kind of undone that alliance between Otto and the king, that sense that like they don't really understand each other. And Viserys just heard the accusations and heard, you're trying to get my daughter off the running to be the, the replacement. And I think that's what annoyed him, not the truth of the matter. But the, 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 he's saying that to try and get her out of the out the line of succession. Well, seeing as you're so interested in incest, Chris, uh, it's time for it's time. What have you heard? Who told you? <laughs> it's time for a Thronecast wisdom, uh, Thronecast style wisdom on incest in Westeros. Uh, so, so do bear with me for for two minutes. Two main religions practiced in the Seven Kingdoms, the faith of the Seven and the Old Gods, consider incest to be a vile sin. However, in Westeros, incest only applies if father lays with daughter, mother lays with son, or brother lays with sister. The children of such unions are generally considered abominations. In marriage customs, it's acceptable and in fact quite common among the nobility for first cousins to wed, but the views regarding marriages between an uncle and a niece or an aunt to a nephew tend to differ between the faith and the Old Gods. In the Valerian Freehold, from where the Targaryen dynasty hails, it was custom among the dragon lords to marry brother to sister, or, if that wasn't possible, an uncle to a niece or an aunt to a nephew. However, this wasn't often practiced by those who were not from dragon rider families. The only exception to the condemnation of incest in Westeros is when it occurs in House Targaryen. Westeros hadn't any choice but to accept Aegon the first Targaryen following his conquest, even though he was in an incestuous polygamous marriage with both his sisters Visenya and Rhaenys. However, in 41 AC, when Aenys Targaryen wed his daughter Rhaena to his son Aegon, the faith militant uprising began and continued throughout the reign of King Maegor the first Targaryen. Peace was eventually reached during the reign of Jaehaerys I with a doctrine of exceptionalism, which permitted incestuous marriages for Targaryens only. King Viserys I Targaryen wed his first cousin when he took his first wife, Aemer Arryn, who would die giving birth to their son Balon, the so-called heir for a day. 
It's safe to say the tradition is alive and well in the House of the Dragon, but as for how many more incestuous unions will be formed as the story continues to unfold, only time will tell. There you go. They're just banging each other left, right and centre. They don't give us stuff, okay. do they? And as a result of incest, we get Daenerys in yeah. 172 years. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there, there's lots of podcasts and family trees on Twitter. You can go and read there and you can see, see how it all plays out. It's brilliant. We're going to be back right after this. Welcome back to episode uh, five of Dragoncast, discussing episode four of The House of the Dragon with my guest Chris Mandel and the wonderful Sue Perkins. Sue, before the break, we touched upon Alicent and, and how she's changed and her relationship with Viserys has changed. Is she going to have to eventually pick a side? Her dad is, is now out. Is she going to stay faithful to the realm or to blood, do we think? What do you think, Sue? I think she has no... She's just lost her own agency. You know, she, she's got to work out who she is before she picks a side. You know, I think this episode was really about archetypes. You saw one woman, Rhaenyra, busting out of the female... Trope, the classic female tropes, um, although people try to put her in the whore bracket, obviously, after um, her pleasure. Was it called The House of Pleasure or whatever it's called? The pleasure House. The Pleasure House. So her. I think it was a Frankie Goes to Hollywood album. But we're- yeah. <laughs> but with Alison, she's still trapped in, in that sort of sort of mum, dutiful mum kind of trope and can't escape. She's not enjoying her life. She's bound by sort of repressive, tedious duty. And as she learns this episode, she's not even bound to a man who loves her much. She's full of regret and mourning for his ex-wife, doesn't really understand why he was married again. And there's no, he has no sense of love really for her by all accounts. And she's lost her friend. I mean, what was really clear in those first two episodes was the bond between those two young women, which verged on... It was, it was intimate, however you wish to view it. It was a very intimate relationship. And actually what's been incredible to watch in these in three and four is how that's been twisted by power. So suddenly you've Alison kind of rather haughtily reminding uh, that, that Godswood tree, you know, reminding the minstrel that she's the queen and then the princess has to stand. And it's just friends shouldn't have those kind of status impediments, yeah. but those two do. And it's, as you say, it's going to be very interesting now you know, these are being chipped away from Alison because her position is pretty tenuous. I had money on her not making it through the first series. We'll see. Oh, wow. Okay. The bold, a bold, bold statement from... This was from... way before we saw anything. This was just off the okay. back of trails. And because, I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that I'm right, actually, but I'd be, something needs to happen to her where she works out who she is and steps behind all the men, you know, out of centre from behind all these guys. A dad, her husband. What do you think, Chris? What part is she is she going to forge for herself eventually, do we think? Well, it kind of depends because I think now, like, I mean, she's got two kids. She has she has a second by this episode. She was it just appeared, yeah. Baby period. Boris yeah. has now got a Didn't brother? Didn't get do you really know? any information on the name or the general. No. Just just yeah. know that it cries. It's the spare. It's the spare, isn't oh, it? Well, then. Well, then. Yeah. Yeah. It's meaningless and no one's spoken about it. It's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't really need to name it at this point. Yeah. Um, Claire, I th- just shove it in the back room. <laughs> yeah. But I thought, um, I thought the line that she said about not really having any friends was really sort of upsetting. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah, she's very isolated. But I think her role is, I mean, my theory is like, so you've got Rhaenyra, 
who is the next in line for the throne. And then you've got Aegon, who is uh, Alicent's son. She's a central part of this dynamic. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, she obviously is going to want her son on the throne because I think we said this last week, once the king goes all hell is going to break loose. And I yeah. think that she's, I think she's going to become really steely and I think she's going to grow not just a spine, but like a real like intense protection for her house and her family because these, these guys don't play nice. And this is, this is going to, we know it's about to really kick off at some point. So yeah, yeah I, I think I kind of loved watching the two women in this episode, having such different experiences. Yeah, Alison having terrible, terrible sex in what sounded like a very unsocial hour. She was sort of woken up. Yeah, what time do we think that was? I mean, she looked remarkably awake. I mean, I'm going for 3 a.m. Definitely the hour. (laughs) Hour of the owl. Yeah, what is the hour of the owl? You did a bit of the owl, wasn't there? The hour of the fox or something. Yeah. Hour of the wolf, maybe, I think. Amazing. But I I thought that, I just want to have a side note, which was, first of all, the hour of the owl. I've never heard anyone say that on Game of Thrones before. And the other one that Otto said was last evening. She was she was out last evening. I was like, is that a, the, is that a yeah, thing? So, yeah. Sociolinguistics of this period in Westeros. And also, Viserys said good morrow to someone. And I was like, is, yes. is that what people say in Westeros? But also only said it once, so not everyone's saying it. <laughs> no one yeah. else is. It's not a thing. Stop <laughs> trying to make fetch a thing, Otto. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's very antiquated, isn't he? He has that kind of, I guess that's a sort of probably a, a character point for him, that he speaks in this slightly kind of old-fashioned... Yeah, it's like a thespy sort of... A thespy sort of. Yeah. Maybe in Old Town, that's what they say. But yeah, I think Alison is really one of my, I think one of the most fascinating characters. And I think the Targaryens are so like unpredictable but i think the high towers and the valerians are the sort of other families in here i just think it's really interesting that they've, they've seemed very very different compared to the targaryens and you're, you're right you know whatever whatever allegiance she might have to her husband and to her father her son is everything and she is going to be pitched directly centrally into what's about to come. Because let's face it, we know that we're, we're, we're entering a pinch point. Something's going to happen yeah. to the service. And yeah. as you say, all hell's going to break loose. Yeah. And it'll be th- everybody will be trying to kill her son and everybody will be trying to, to kill her best friend. So... It, it, it's not good for her, you know, either and way. Her dad's, and her dad's not even in King's Landing at the moment. Or- yeah, that's the thing. She's lost the one. Per- I mean, Otto is is not dad of the year. Uh, no one on Game of Thrones deserves one of those father of the year mugs, frankly. But Otto is not necessarily the kindest father, but he is one of the only people in her corner. And I wonder what's going to happen when, in the in the sort of fallout from him leaving. I also think her experience is sort of marrying off quite young. I think she's going to get those kids boyfriends and girlfriends very quickly because she's like that's the only way i can kind of grow any sort of status in this uh in this world is by getting some alliances of my own and even without hearing as she did that the husband doesn't really care for her she also has the the knowledge that he has not changed his mind as to the success yeah yeah. Um, he finally got the male heir he wanted, and it made no difference because yeah. he he wants he knows his daughter has the skill set. 
Well, he, he's still got this. He's still got the vision of Song of Ice and Fire in his mind, hasn't he? You know, there was the great scene with the cat's paw dagger in the in the yeah, in the flames, the where the, the 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 fable prince that was promised uh, line was was shown to her. He's still, yeah. you know, he is staying true to Game of Thrones, and he knows that that is the one big threat to everything, and he keeps trying to instill that on Rhaenyra, and and she just used that opportunity to throw Otto under the bus because she did that at the end. It was all going yeah. okay, and then. She she was just like, hang on a minute. He's, I mean, he's so impressionable, isn't he, Viserys? He's, I mean, he's obviously so ill and panicking about legacy and, and what's going to happen after he's gone. But he seems so malleable by everyone that kind of talks to him, especially Rhaenyra. You know, she played the Game of Thrones this episode for the, yeah. she played it. She went, right, I will marry Lenor. I'm not going to choose. I'm not going to go on any more blind dates, but you need to get rid of Otto. And I was like, that's the moment where she's clicked into place. Mm. Like she's, if you're gonna like, you know, hire me out, and this make is a me transaction. Your... Then yeah, then yeah, it's, then... it's sort of where Sansa got to in sort of series five, six. Yeah, you know, after true. the brutalization yeah. of her by Ramsay. But we've got it here in a young, very, very young woman mm. who's just gone, as you say. I mean, bargaining with her with the king, and she does yeah. it. He's scared of her. He's scared of her, and he's scared of Damon. He yeah. knows he hasn't got the the chops for it, and so he 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 bows. I think he's scared she'll become more like Damon unless he does like entertain her in some case. And I think this this was this incest gate, as it may be known, was a wake up call with him that she is drawn to his characteristics to a dangerous degree and they need to hash something out. But my question is, and I'd love to know what both of you think about this, why like the Valerians are like a really good match. Like they've got kids, they're like ancient house. Why is it like only now that they're like what if she married their son? Like, it feels like this would have been something they could have planned like 10 years ago, but yeah, everyone seems to, this seems to have been almost like the last choice. There's a lot of stuff about the sea, isn't there? The, the idea, because the idea now that uh, Corliss is, is marrying his daughter to into the Bravos. Yeah, uh, yeah. Family. The dynastic sort of inclinations seem to be we need ships rather than, than anything else. And I'm not quite sure why, because the narrow, I don't know, maybe there's something. We've not heard much about the other the other worlds like Dawn and, and, no. and all of those kind of places. I think they're kind of un, untapped territory in terms of both to either conquer or pledge allegiances with. So I guess I guess the one thing you need, apart from a dragon, would be would be the ships, which is where Corliss kind of holds yeah. all the cards, really, I presume. As to why they never thought of the, the uni before, I've got no idea, because it was all about um Viserys and 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 the daughter rather than rather than Rainier, Rainier, Rainier I wonder son. if he doesn't want to give any power over to his cousin Rainice. I wondered if he's just so she was supposed to have the throne before him. And if he marries into her family, like she might have a, they might have a stronger claim, but they, she's not been, Eve Best has been very absent in the last two weeks. She and has, yeah. She's so good though. When she's, so oh, she's going to bring it. Yeah. She's such a great. Uh, Criminally um, underused so far. And I, I just know, I thought in episode two, she was incredible. So I just really want her to be kind of front and centre a bit more. She's She's got, what I love about that performance, and, and I could talk about, similarly, Matt, Matt Smith is doing it with Damon. You know, he's he's both a particle and a wave. He's both sort of sympathetic and tortured and absolutely psychotic. But what Eve Best is doing with Rhaenys is she's got the sort of hard-edged, I'm going to screw you of Cersei, but the kind of jolly, motherish, kind of Diana Rigg thing going on as well. Yeah. 
encouraging, yeah. nurturing old woman who's seen it all, done it all. And you don't know which way she's going to turn. And, you know, she'll talk about tradition and maintaining tradition whilst making it really clear that's going to inhibit uh, what Rhaenyra wants to do. But again, I see Rhaenys is really coming into play once it explodes. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. She's going to want to surely reignite her own claim. I, that's as, what I think. Because it is. I mean, because it is. I mean, if you look at it, it's pretty. It, now he's got a male heir and has appointed a, 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 his daughter as successor. It's, it's a weak link, but she, she, I'm sure, has got a lot of um, a lot of connections. Yeah, I think a child from both those families, which are both ancient, ancient families, they love blood purity in this place. I just wonder if they're like, okay, a child from this. This is like everyone this is like the purest child in the world like this could be yeah. you know the like savior sort of yeah. thing but yeah i think viserys seems very reluctant to give his cousin any more well he viserys or... viserys said to rhaenerys he reaffirmed that house targaryen have got to stick together yeah do we think that's there's any chance of that happening once viserys is gone there's, well there's only there's rhaenyra and 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 daemon and i wouldn't leave them in charge of anything yeah. i think together they they create something sort of extraordinary. I, I don't think it'll be a sexual partnership, but depending on how it cuts, um, you look at you know the time passing. That's another thing to discuss. You know, years go by between episodes in yeah. the series, and yeah, yeah. you know a lot of that time, Damon has been banished. But when they see each other after this time, there's still that that connection. True. Um, I, I think that that's embedded now, and I, I think they will absolutely ally at some point. I've just thought of something, which is you were talking about kids and stuff, and how you know the bloodline. We know that Rhaenyra doesn't want children because she wants it all. She she doesn't want to pass the line of succession down. I'm just thinking because there's never a wasted moment in this series. Whether the the, the morning after tea, now mm. she knows it's there. Yeah. She might well use again once she gets married mm-hmm. to make sure she doesn't get pregnant. True. Just putting it out there. That might not be the last, but she might use it. As a counter, I'm gonna throw out maybe she didn't even drink it. We don't we don't we we saw her looking at it. We I'm saw her looking at it. Two, I'm gonna take your two tea theories and raise you a third. Go for it. After that scene, or just before that scene where she was given the moon tea. Alison was also drinking a cup of tea. Do we think she's taking contraception so she doesn't have to have any more kids? Mm. Or was it like a sort of sleepy tea from Pucker or other brands are available? Um, <laughs> do we think it was just it was just a symbol? Or do we think okay. she's even like, she's like, mate, make a double batch. I need some. I've had to lie under that wow. sweaty so-and-so That's, for half an hour. Um, Oh, okay. Is the moon tea, by the way, served in a moon cup? That's my interest there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's that's a really good... Uh, oh, that's got yeah. me thinking. I the way they're sort of united after yeah. that episode and their experience, it doesn't matter which family, it doesn't matter who you're yeah. married to, this is how you have to live in this world. Uh, yeah, could well be true. A lot of tannins. A lot of tannins. I want to give a I want to give a shout out to to what felt great was was Otto's little little Varys. Uh, he's got his little sparrows out there, hasn't he? I enjoyed that. I don't think that's oh, the last yeah, we're going to see yeah. of that little kid. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed that, which I think is going to Otto may well be banished from from inside the inside the castle but he's going to be literally standing there finding out what's going on surely can we talk about the secret door that is for some reason built into her that goes straight to her that the corridor that goes to her bedroom that is sort of for like going out like sneaking out at night but yeah. it's the complex 
passageway that no one knows about, and yet it opens out onto a courtyard in the, mid- yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the middle of Kingston. You think they'd be in the courtyard. It's like, what does that Keep- go to? <laughs> yeah, it just, just but flies it's forward. it's dragons on it as well, so it's like pretty yeah. obvious signposts. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, this is so, un- so unsecure. Like, oh, yeah, if you just open that door, you'll be in the, uh, the princess's bedroom. I didn't know that had been Damon's old room or something. You know, oh, yeah. it could have been, yeah. yeah it could uh, well do you have remember been. when Tyrion shot Tywin? He he went through yeah. this passageway from the prison that opened yes. out into Tywin's room. Yeah. There was obviously tons of these, like Kevin MacLeod would have a field day with these. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like Mar-a-Lago. There's supposed to be loads at Mar-a-Lago as well, isn't there? Just, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's using all of them right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> we haven't even had time to, to talk about, you know, Damon in the year, in the interim years. He, he obviously listened to a lot of Harry Styles because that is one of a hell of a haircut he came back with. Yeah. I loved his look. And also they kept the haircut hidden from all of the yeah. trailers and, and artwork and stuff. It was a real, real surprise that he came back like he stepped out of a salon. He's just Smashing it, that guy. He's, he was amazing in this episode. He's, I mean, it's just, it's just a delight to watch, isn't he? It's kind he is. of the like Millie Alcock, you know, wow. That's some. There's some. Everyone is really doing great work, and it's. Yeah. And they're given this amazing playpen. To be fair to the showrunners, they really are. And yeah. you know, all the characters have nuance and depth, and you know, it's just a testament to that. We can sit and analyze forever where it might go and how it yeah. might pan out. Well, what we would normally do now is uh, is is play the uh, is play the teaser trailer for next week's episode, but we can't do that because we're recording this a week in advance. Oh, but what Damn. we'll do is before we go to the edit, I will drop the teaser trailer in right now. I wish to propose a marriage to my daughter and heir. A royal wedding. I hope to herald in. Second Age of Dragons. Rhaenyra's succession will be challenged. Knives will come out. The king will die. And if Rhaenyra succeeds him, war will follow. Prepare Aegon to rule. All I'm going to say is, holy shit, another wedding. Here we go. <laughs> Surely they can't. Can they? I don't know. I got, I, as soon as I heard wedding, I just I, I, I went very, very cold inside. Yeah. Yeah. We've got it. We've got another wedding. I think I think it's going to be like EastEnders Christmas lunches, isn't it? The white thing will pull up and somebody will will, will uh, yeah get mown down. I imagine. I mean, we don't want. I don't want. We probably can't talk about it at all. But what I would say about this episode, I think what made it so special is that all the characters interacted with each other. Like that, everyone got to all the synapses were firing. And I think yeah. there's been definitely moments in this season where everyone is kind of off having one scene here and one scene there. But everyone got to kind of. But heads, and I think that's you know that's what made Game of Thrones so brilliant was new pairings. Do we think that's a COVID issue? Yeah, I think a big where you notice the sort of sparseness. I think you have to remember that some of the cast would bubble, some of the scenes were filmed in you know I think at all the 
council scenes might have been done in like half a week or something. And I think there will be moments where they had to, you know, maybe the reason Eve Best is not around is because they can't go on that set for just two characters. They can't, you know, we're not dropping in with as many people uh, compared yeah. to Game of Thrones, but I think it's a, it must be a COVID thing, yeah. uh, which makes me think it will kind of wind down at some point. Maybe. For me, it's just, it, it's really, really turning into such a compelling drama that isn't yeah. just Shades of Thrones. It's its own entity that has the very best of what we enjoyed about its distant cousin. It you feels know, like I've been watching it for a long time already, doesn't it? I feel so invested in it all already. Yeah, something yeah. really changed in the middle of two for me and then cemented in three and four, and now I'm sort of addicted, properly, yeah. properly addicted. I also feel like the stakes somehow feel really different, even though they're sort of not. Like, there's something that the what is hanging in this show is just very different than, than Thrones, and you're right. I think a lot of the same ingredients, but it's somehow a very different show. Yeah. And it's just such a pleasure to have it back. I'm just like, yeah, it's great. I just love having it back. There's, there's not really been anything on telly that's filled that gap for the last few years. Not, not, not uh, there's very few shows that you can, you can chew the fat out of like, mm. like this ad infinitum. Yeah. The characters Absolutely. Just, and the world is spellbinding and they've done a, oh man, they've done an insanely good job, I think. Yeah. I think, near, ironically, the nearest thing is, is succession. I think, uh, yeah. which yeah. is which is a lot of the same things. Sort of premise, a lot of the same things. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. Well, you know what House of the Dragon does need to? It needs a full-time spin-off show. Who knows? One day, knows? maybe. Yeah. One day, maybe. <laughs> maybe we will be reunited. Pray to, the, to the old gods. Exactly. Yeah. Pray to the old gods. Which is no way to talk about the commissioning team. Yeah, no, we're not allowed <laughs> to talk about that. <laughs> don't mention, don't say the names out loud. So thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely delightful to see you. And I'm, who knows? We may be reunited very, very soon. Who knows? Fingers crossed, my love. Fingers crossed. Chris, thank you so much, buddy. See you next week where we will be discussing, hopefully, what was just a nice finger buffet and a dance to Christy Berg. Uh, but knowing Game yes. of Thrones, the wedding will go completely tits up. <laughs> Until next time, thanks for watching and listening to Dragoncast. Don't forget House of the Dragon airs exclusively on Sky Atlantic at 2am every Monday, then repeats that same evening at 10. You can also get it on demand via now. If you'd like to get involved in the podcast, just head over to Twitter at dragoncast underscore pod or email dragoncast at daftdoris.com and leave us your Easter eggs, predictions and thoughts on the show. You can also watch this episode over on our YouTube channel. Just search for Dragoncast Jamie East. Any support, whether it's a follow, a share, a mention to your friend on the bus or a tattoo on your backside is very much appreciated. Dragoncast is hosted by me, Jamie East, along with Chris Mandel, produced by Connor Driscoll, edited by Buddy Peace, and is a Daft Doris production. Dracarys. <laughs>